that was one of the the hardest thing ever. I kept saying, you know, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know because every day is different. You know, there's a there's a new uh, a new thing to this uh, you know coronavirus every day. So you know, we were getting hit left, right, and centre. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. With no choice but to adapt to survive, many restaurants threw all their energy into takeaway, literally overnight. Others saw their best chance was to temporarily close the doors and take a moment to realise the enormity of the situation before acting. Matt Moran is one of Australia's most celebrated chefs. An advocate of a paddock-to-plate food system, he's behind many of our great restaurants, including award-winning Aria, overlooking Sydney Harbour. Matt, you're a part of the Solitel Group, which includes lots of pubs and many restaurants like Aria, Chiswick, Paddo Inn, B, North Bondi Fish. Um, what was the impact in those early days for you and that decision that you made to close the doors literally the day after the government's mandate? Oh, look, it was... Um it was a pretty scary time, I have to say. Um, it was you – know, I remember sitting down having a, a board meeting um, with Bruce and, and we've got a chairman that sort of oversees us. And uh, I remember we were sitting there going through figures and thinking, all right, um, you know, what happens if, if this thing sort of takes hold and, you know, we reduce our revenue by 10% and, and then someone said, you know, well, this is what it looks like if it was, if it was 20%. And uh, in that same conversation, someone actually put up uh, the figures, what would happen if it was 50%, and everyone sort of laughed and thought, oh, well, that's not going to happen. And uh, I think it was within 10 days we were, we were completely shut. So not only did it, <laughs> did it happen, but, um, you know, it's uh, no revenue. It was, it was uh, yeah, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't dream of it. You wouldn't, you know, I would never have imagined it in my wildest dreams that um, that something like this would have shut us, shut us down completely. And I suppose at first it was just shock. You know, what, what do we what do we do? What do we do with the staff? What do we do with the the food left in the in the venues? You know, it's just it was just a, a bit of confusion, I think, um, for the first day or two. Can you give us a scale? Give us a scale of the businesses and how many people you, people you employ. Um, just give us an idea of the amount of people impacted. So Solitel is a, a management company. So it's, it's you know, it, it doesn't have assets. It's, uh, it manages these venues for, for the owners. And, and Bruce Solomon, who's, who's been my partner for 20 years, um, him and I are involved in, in about uh, 12 venues together. And then, uh, then there's about another 26, uh, sorry, another 16 on top of that, which are mainly owned by him and his family. Um, there's a couple of other partners that uh, they managed some for. Um, so together there was about, uh, I think about 1,700 staff that were were out of work within a, within a day. Wow. Um, and, you know, some, some very big businesses, you know. Opera Bar is one of, one of the busiest, busiest and biggest places in, uh, probably in the country and, and, you know, big pubs like the Golden Sheaf, um, and uh, you know the, the, all the pubs in Newtown, the Bank, and the, the Clock, and and uh, Paddington for one, and yeah. So it was Aria, obviously, you know, our, our flagship. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was just, uh, it was, it's, it's a big business, and um, I, I suppose it took us a couple of weeks to really sort of 
uh, work out how to close it all completely down because it was, it uh, you know, it's like a big ship. You just can't sort of turn it off. Um, you know, you've got to slowly dock the thing, I suppose. So what is the status of the establishments? I know they, they vary and they um, feed into different sectors within the food industry um, without knowing obviously what's lying ahead what, what's what's the status of the company and, and those various restaurants look you know <clears throat> we're, we're lucky I suppose you know we um, you know a lot of a lot of the venues are, are owned um, and you know a lot of them are government leases um, which we we hope they're going to be very kind to us when we when we come back Um you know, I think we will be in a good position, hopefully, to, to open every venue again. Um, you know, we had a little bit of capital in the in the company. So, um, you know, our first initial reaction was to to look after our, our staff. Um, and uh, Bruce and I had long conversations uh, about that. And one thing that we, we probably jumped a bit earlier than, uh, than anyone else, and we decided that would pay everyone's entitlements. Um, the last thing I wanted, Anthony, was you know to to the world go to shit and and uh, and someone saying, well, you know, Matt Moran didn't pay staff, so um, we paid out all entitlements. We even paid some um, long service leave to some. Some didn't want to take it, so they left it there. But um, all holidays and things like that, uh, we paid out, which is a, an immense expense um, to the to uh, to Bruce and I, but. You know, I, I just think that we, we didn't want to have that liability hanging over our heads. Um, and, you know, even now we're still going through the process of making sure our suppliers are happy and um, and uh, whether they were paid out in full or whether they will, you know, um, let us sort of, you know, come back to it when we, when we reopen. You've been an influential chef for quite a long time um, and you've had some ups and downs and experience, you know, the, the GFC in 2008. Um, and, you know, you and I were in brief conversation about me penning an article about comparisons until this got a bit out of hand and com- was completely different. Can you compare anything um, to what's happening right now? And, and how did you feel in those early couple of weeks about the industry and its um, potential in the future? I've never experienced anything like this. And, uh, you know, just the, the ups and downs and the emotions that, that- – you know, go go with it. Um, after it, you know, I'm a pretty positive person always, but it was it was pretty hard to try and work out, you know, what's going to happen and whether you, you lose a lose something that you've been working for for God thirty odd years. Um, you know, it was the first initial reaction is right. Well, you know, let's not panic. Let's 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 look after our staff, look after our suppliers, look where we are, talk to our landlords, and the government kept sort of rolling rolling uh you know every day into something different which i suppose that was the, that was one of the the hardest thing everyone kept saying you know what are you doing and i said i don't know because every day is different you know there's a there's a new there's a new uh, a new thing to this uh you know coronavirus every day so you know we were getting hit left right and center um and i suppose that's why we didn't open straight away for for takeaway we we sort of just wanted to sit back and and see we didn't want to rush into anything and spend money into into anything and, and having it not work. Um, so, you know, it's only now that we've actually started, started opening up and, you know, Chiswick obviously being the first one and then hopefully North Bondo within a, the next week or two also. Um, I think it would be hard to do a, an ARIA takeaway, so that probably won't happen. 
Um, and I think Chop House in the city and Barangaroo, because of the locations, probably won't work either. So we're sort of, um, um, you know, shackled on, on, you know, just opening. Maybe some of the pubs might open to do pieces and stuff, but out of my venues, it'll probably only be Chiswick and, and North Bondi, which at least brings in some revenue. But um, what it really does is it brings the, the team together a little bit. You know, I've got uh, I've got all my head chefs from nearly every restaurant working at Chiswick at the moment, <laughs> which is kind of fun at the same time. Wow. That'd make a pretty amazing team. Yes. So it's... it's uh, it's very top heavy, though. Put it that way. <laughs> but um, you know that that's you know they're they're the guys that have been with me for a long time and, and very loyal and and uh, and they're, I think they're kind of excited by it too. You know, it's not free. A lot of them have worked together prior, but it was a long, long time ago. Um, so you know, Francois from Chiswick and Tom from Barangaroo House and Laura, who's sort of my right hand. You know, they um they used to work together years and years ago at, Chis- at sorry at uh, at Aria, and you got Joel there too, of course. You, so you spent a little bit of time to sort of not panic, to try and sort of weave through all of the, as you say, sort of daily changes. Um, do you feel like that there is an element of a light at the end of the tunnel and has that sort of allowed you to, you know, because Chiswick starts this week with takeaway and um, has, it, is, has that sense of perhaps, you know, there is a light there and um, there's opportunities, has that triggered the, to- the takeaway model? Yeah, look, you know, it, it, it still is changing and, and whether the light – I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel as yet um, because, you know, one minute it looks as though we're nearly got it beat and we're going to eradicate it completely um, and then all of a sudden things spike again. Um, you know, I think for, for us um, or any restaurant – or pub to reopen, it really either has to be eradicated or there, there is a vaccine. I, I can't see how we can reopen um, with social distancing. It just doesn't work. You know, our margins are, are hard enough um, to make at the moment, or sorry, prior um, at 100% capacity and to then sort of put those restrictions onto us. Um, I just can't see, I can't see it happening. Um, once we start paying staff and rent and everything again, um, just to, to make it really sort of clear that those last two three weeks that we were operating, you know, we were running at massive losses, massive losses, um, losses four or five times of what we what we you know would lose when we we're just completely closed. Um, you know, you can't just turn your staff off and everything else off in a, in a single go in a single day. So that was when the real bleed happened. Um, and that's why I think a lot of restaurants are probably in trouble because they bled out all their capital. Um, and then, you know, when they finally did close, there's nothing left to pay staff and and uh, and what they're owing the, their suppliers. We were lucky in, in that sense, I suppose. Um, but, you know, looking for the future, um, you know, the world has changed. Huck, you know, it's, it's changed completely and, and maybe there are, you know, takeaway things going to happen can you know once we do reopen maybe maybe it'll be a bit of both um i suppose for me the great thing is that i've had a lot of time i I come to work every day still in my office you know i can drive in and even through the worst of it i was still still coming into work and just in my office and and um and uh and just sitting there and and, you know working and thinking you know and and for me it's been a great time to reflect on and what's uh, what's what I've been doing for the last ten years, and and thinking up new things. You know, there's there's things that now that 
I want to do a little bit differently maybe. Well, I was just about to ask you that because I was, th- this period of time has allowed hospitality workers for the first time to actually consider things because they're so busy and frantic and, you know, their immediacy of service. Um, do you think we'll see different things from restaurants when everything is opened up again? And and especially you, you know, having a restaurant like Aria, which is, you know, a magical experience for many overlooking Sydney Harbour. What, what do you think will happen to your restaurants? Do you think there will be a change? Yeah, I, th- I think there will be a change. I, I don't think the model really is sustainable now. You know, when you think about, you know, um, rents and you think about uh, wages and, and food costs and, you know, all the all the other things that contribute to make a, a restaurant, you know, whether it's sustainable. I, I think, you know, labour is a big thing that we've got to watch. Um, so maybe, you know, things won't be that labour intensive anymore just changing the model um, or tweaking it and wherever we can. You know, Aria is a, it's, a, it's an owned restaurant, so it's going to be there for, forever, hopefully. Um, and it, um, it's always been incredibly successful. Um, but it's always, you know, ran at high labour costs and high food costs because of the, the product that we, we do there. And, and I don't think fine dining will be dead. I think it might change a little bit. Um and, you know, I just think it'll, it'll have to adapt to, you know, to the new environment. Um, you know, maybe it might be, it may not do the numbers that it used to do and, and maybe it might be, I don't know, you know, it might be, um, you know, a little bit quicker, easier, I'm not sure, you know, and it all depends on, on what happens with tourism and the opera house and, and, uh, and, you know, whether people flood back into the city to go to work or whether people decide to work from home you know there's a lot of those things that are still up in the air and and i suppose we won't know until it all it all comes back together again you know there's been all sorts of recommendations bouncing around about the sort of restrictions on restaurants um as they open up again um and there's all sorts of thoughts out there um some of them not uh, <laughs> received well with industry others are keen for them you know what what would you like to see happen how would you like to see the restaurant industry opened up that would help restaurants oh, look, there's there's no question you know if if we eradicate it or we get a vaccine and we open back up to to be able to give the restaurant industry a, a, a big kick um, it would be things like freeing up um, FBT fringe benefits tax and you know whether it's a year or two years or whatever but you know what that would that what, what that would create would be employment um, you know getting staff back in and and and, uh, and working and hopefully it would um, give the the industry a bit of a boost that it it's desperately needs I, I still don't understand the FBT you know fringe benefits tax from, from years ago, you know, because it to me it never made sense of putting it in place because it just stifles restaurants and stifles employment. Um, and, you know, it's just I think it would be a good way to sort of give our industry a, a bit of a boost. You've always been a big champion of producers and um, you've even made programs about it. Um, do you think things will change in regards to our connection with producers and, and how, is, how have those conversations been for you because you're a big champion of a lot of the people you deal with? Yeah, look, you know, it, it's a obviously being a producer too. Um, you know, it's one thing that's actually going all right at the moment. You know, meat prices are still still up. Um, they've come down a little bit since the since the um, since the last sort of few weeks, but you know, they, they, they 
spike when it started to rain because everyone had grass again and and uh, everyone needed to stop. But you know, I was just texting Charlie Arnott the other day, who's a who I'm a massive fan of, who's a, a, a farmer from Borua. You know, he's got um, beef, cattle, and pigs and and fat lamb. And um, you know, I started the Thankful for Farmers with a thankful group, you know, last year and which is a big organisation to, to save um, or f- to raise money for, for, for farmers. And Charlie said the other day, he said, you know, when you guys reopen, he goes, it's the farmers' turn to, to help you guys out because you helped us out so much in the, in the drought. Um, so I suppose what it, what it will do is it will bring um, people like, you know, chefs and restaurateurs even closer again to, to their producers. So, um, you know, and I think that's happening already. You know, we, we we buy so much more direct these days than what we used to, um, and our connections with those guys is, is so much stronger because you know we, we live the ups and downs with them. And, and since this has happened, you know, I've been talking to plenty of the producers and suppliers and whatever, and, and they're on their knees too. So I've been trying to help them out as as much as possible. And you know, they're obviously doing stuff online and delivering and whatever. Um, but I suppose it's just working together, and I think when we all come out of this, you know, we've 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 two industries that have had two of the hardest years, or they will be the probably the two hardest years ever. You know, massive drought, and and then the coronavirus. What's happened to us? So I think it will just make us stronger. Why did you become a chef, and and what do you love about the industry? Uh, why did I become a chef? Because I hated school, and uh, I would have done anything. <laughs> To, uh, to get out of school and I did home science when I was in year nine and ten and, you know, I kind of liked it, not just because it was being 19 girls um, but uh, and I got something, you know, it was free to eat <laughs> in the afternoon. Um, I'm one of those guys, Anthony, that once I started it, you know, at an early age of 15, I just fell in love with it. And, you know, I've, I've always loved it and I will um, forever always love it because it's it's always been very kind to me. It's been a great industry. It's, it's an industry that you're always learning um, no matter what. And, you know, I have to, to be really honest, even in the last six weeks, you know, I've been – I think I've had takeaway twice. Not, not that I'm telling anyone not to buy a takeaway, especially not now that we're, we're going into that model. Um, but I've, I've, I've really enjoyed – um, you know, cooking at home. And, and look, I always do cook at home, you know, once or twice a week, but, you know, to be cooking six, seven times a week, it's I've really, really enjoyed it. And I've been doing little videos um, that started, uh, you know, just a, a small one. And, and the comments I get from all my TV mates and whatever is, who's filming you? <laughs> <laughs> and I can't quite work it out. And it's my 14-year-old daughter. Oh, and. And what I what I love about it is that you know even you know I've got a cool room at the back of my my kitchen and I'll I'll forget something and I'll run down to the cool room and and when I watch the video back after after it finishes, I I, I see that my daughter has um you know uh, zoomed in on whatever I'm cooking, and she hasn't followed me and she'll say to me you know when I'm cooking she'll go geez dad you're really good at that you know you do it so quick and and you know you're really good talking to the the phone, you know, or the camera or whatever. And it's it's really been the first time, um, you know. She's always baked a little bit, Amelia, but she's actually really quite interested in food. 
and and what I'm doing and how to cook it. And, and I think that's why she's been so good filming it is because she's she's actually really interested in it. Restaurants and food service um, have had to adapt and change and and you guys took time to pause and consider how you would respond. You know, what, what's some of the um, innovations and creativeness that you've seen out there that's impressed you about this little period with people in the industry? Oh, look, the, the industry's resilient, there's no question. Um, you know, I, I, I think the, the technology that, you know, <laughs> we're seeing with the, with the whole takeaway, and, you know, whether it's um, packaging or uh, what items or, you know, go on the menu and how you do it. And, and you know, I know that when I was looking at the, the Chiswick menu with Laura and what to put, and it was, it was all based around, you know, some of the classic dishes, but also, you know, thinking about how will that travel, you know, how will that uh, get to the home in one shape and how will it still represent what we do. Um, and, you know, I, I just think that in times like this, you, you've got to, you know, you've got to somehow be creative. You know, I, I see all this stuff online where people, you know, Zooming, you know, I, I'd Zoomed eight mates one night and showed them how to cook a dish. Um, and, you know, it was, it was hysterical. One, I realised none of them can bloody cook. Um, and two, you know, it came up with the idea of, wow, this is this is quite creative. So um, hopefully, probably not this week, but next week I'm going to start an online cooking cooking school and, uh, you know, deliver deliver um, the, the items to people and then they can uh, just get on board and Zoom and pay a small fee and, you know, for the fruit and veg and meat and whatever and they can watch me cook. Um, and that's that's kind of exciting. I've also done a lot. I've also done quite a few corporate zooms, and that's probably the only income that I've had coming in for the last sort of four or five weeks. You know, some big guys that um, that are uh, quite interested in looking after their VIPs or or their staff, and I've just got online and just shown them, you know, shown them how to cook a, a dish, and and, uh, and that's been quite fun actually because you, you're obviously interacting with with um, people that obviously know each other quite well. And uh, and I suppose the difference is when you've got a, a cooking class and you've got you know, 20 people in front of you, they're quite intimidated and they just sit there and be really quiet. It's where when you put them on a camera and, you know, they're not right in front of you and they've got a glass of wine and they're feeling relaxed, it's quite funny, you know, and they'll probably speak up. You know, I did one the other day that um, – one guy forgot his lemon and all of a sudden, you know, because I could see him and he's disappeared and he's popped up five minutes later. He goes, I've just gone down the street to grab a lemon. Like it's, it's been funny and that's that's been a, a fun thing to do. So hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll do a little bit more of that. And and uh, so if there's any corporates out there that want, you know, to do the Zoom classes, <laughs> I'm open to it. <laughs> Well, you don't want to give them too many uh, tips and tricks. They'll be a bit more critical next time they're in your restaurant, won't they? <laughs> yeah, they, they might be. They might be. Look, I'll tell you what, I, I learned very quickly after that first one with the, the eight mates is that, um, you know, you, you do you do pretty simple stuff because they, uh, they, um, they've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> now, a, lo- a lot of our guests on this series have spoken about uh, how important mentors were to them through their career and sort of the lack of that mentorship that t- that's currently in the industry. But I know that you're involved in a lot of programs and it's a really important thing to you to train the younger people. I just wondered if 
what you would say to younger people in the industry that are affected by this and perhaps disillusioned? Yeah, look, you know, that that is that's a, that's a hard one and that's a tough one because, you know, I've always said to people, um, you know, to be in this industry, you've you've got to love it because if you if you don't love it, um, it's just too damn bloody hard. Um, you know, I think with anything, if you're passionate about something, you know, you you you'll do well at it. Um, it. It's a hard industry, and it's just got a lot lot harder. And um, you know, I, I hear a lot of people say all the time that you know, after this, there's going to be a lot less restaurants. There's going to be, you know, lots of opportunities out there. And um, you know, for people that want to take it and open their own venue. And you know, I, I'm I'm being really honest when I say this is that. Um, you know, and there's probably a lot of kids out there that were ready to take that leap. Um, you know, make sure you are financially secure, um, and make sure that you you've you've done your research in, in what you're about to do because the last thing we want to see is a lot of a lot of people sort of take up those opportunities and fall flat on their face um, because that just won't won't help the industry at all. Um, you know, I think with any any business, you've got to really do your numbers and and your projections and, and make sure that it's viable before you get into it and get lots of advice. You know, I know over the last sort of ten years, I've given I won't name any, but I've given many many chefs that own their restaurants now lots of advice, and and I've always said, you know, um, you know, be careful, make sure you get uh, advice off other people that that know a little bit better before you start signing leases and. And uh, you know personal guarantees because uh, you don't want to get yourself in a position where you you um you know you fall flat again. What's it going to feel like when uh, you open the doors to your restaurant and welcome people back in for the first time in a full running restaurant? Oh mate, I'll be there. You know, to, <laughs> I'll be there. No question. Um, I, I hope if we open in in that way that it is everything's reopened. So I think it'll be. I think it'll be one hell of a party for the first few months. I think everyone is so desperate to get out. I just I get worried about what it's going to be like the you know the eight nine months after that happens, uh, when we realise that you know there's so much debt everywhere and and what's it going to do to the economy. So I don't know. I, I think that we might see a boom when it happens, and I think it'll it might lapse a little bit again. So we've got to be a little bit careful on how we do it and how we spend. I think everyone's going to be very cautious of what they do. There's no no doubt. Um, and how they reopened and and, uh, and and don't get carried away because you know people aren't spending at the moment. I don't think people people might splurge a little bit for a few months, but then they'll sort of start to to realise that wow, you know, I'm so far behind where I was. So maybe I, I should be a bit more careful. What about what about the opportunities moving forward? Once we get through this, um, for a vibrant sort of hospitality sector, leaving behind some of the issues perhaps if we can get on top of them? What are, what are the opportunities ahead? Oh, look, I think that, I think there's a massive opportunity here now to clean up, you know, what what, uh, what issues that we have, um, you know, payroll and all that sort of stuff. And I'm not, I'm not going to go into that um, too much, but, you know, there, there are a lot of, lot of issues with that and a lot of confusion with that. And, you know, I think that would help a benefit a lot of people and it would obviously cut a big cost out of um, of, uh, of restaurants if it was a little bit simpler um, because no one really knows, I think, <laughs> what it really is these days and who is, who is compliant and who's not. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I've never been in skating that and, 
and I hope I never am because I feel as though I've always done the right thing. Um, but you know, it's 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 probably a it's probably a clean slate for a lot of things. You know, um, you know, I think there will be uh, opportunities with with leases and landlords and and to reset a lot of things. You know, things that have probably got too expensive for people. Um, and uh, you know, food costs. You know, that might reset a little bit. Things have been you know getting more and more expensive. Um, you know, I, I just think you know what we will do is we we will look at everything and, and look where we spend um, money and and see how we can run the business better and tighter. Now you've got um, Chiswick doing takeaway. How hard is it transforming? Um, what you do in the restaurant to the takeaway model, and you sort of briefly mentioned North Bondi Fish. We'll, we'll do it shortly as well. Um, is there any sort of funny stories in the background of trying to pull that together with that A team that you have, and um, and and what does Chiswick at home look like? Yeah, look, <laughs> there was always a conversation in the beginning. It's like, well, you've got you know seven or eight chiefs. <laughs> Where are the Indians? <laughs> um, and that's not true. We've, we've got some. We've got a lot of the other guys that are coming in and helping too. It's not just all the senior guys. Um, it's it's that part's a lot of fun. I have to say, you know, it, it's like we've got you know all these people from. They all know each other, of course, but they're all from different restaurants and they're all sort of now working together. Um, and I, I think that's 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 a nice thing about it. You know, it's we're all working together for for the one thing and and. Uh, you know, Chiswick at home, well, you know, of course you can't completely um, transform that into, into dining at home because Chiswick is an experience with the, with the garden and the, and the room and the, the noise and, the, and everything else that goes with it. Um, but if we can give them a taste um, of what Chiswick is and that's, you know, um, good, um, hearty sort of, you know, large sort of shared meals, um, and you know we've chosen things that sort of that uh, travel really well. The lamb shoulder, of course, and the roast chook, and um, we put a little bit of aria in there. You know, aria is very well known for that the lunch duck pie that we used to do. It goes all the way back to Paddington in oh, the yes. early nineties. And uh, I just thought, you know, well that that one's a great one that would travel really well. And I actually had one last night at home, and God, it was bloody good. Um, I wish you'd sent them into state. <laughs> yeah, look, you know what? I might, I might, um, I might just make them and not cook them and freeze them down. I know fixed meats and havocs are desperately to get, you know, get their hands on them. So maybe we might, uh, might, you know, wholesale them a little bit um, at, at one point. So it, it, they are. It is food that can that can travel. Um, you know, North Bondi fish. Well, hopefully that'll be more local. Um, you know, fish and chips. Um, you know, people are screaming out in Bondo. They want uh, they want more grog and cocktails. They love the cocktails down there, so we'll do more of that sort of stuff, <laughs> um, which is great. So Bondo, um, and you know, coming into winter, we might make a big fish pie and things like that. That always go really well um, for down there. Buller bays and stuff like that that we can sort of seal and they can be able to take it home. So I think that'll work. You know, I know that Chiswick. Um, is opening this week, but the amount of forward sales for Mother's Day and whatever is just insane, you know. So we're going to. Um, well, that's really good to hear. Yeah, we're going to have a massive, massive week the first week, and just hopefully that uh, it'll continue on. What has that reconnection with your team felt like, and and what are you missing from hospitality at the moment? Um, 
Look, the, the reconnection with the team, I've always sort of, I've always been connected with them, so I've, I've been talking to them quite frequently. Um, and, you know, it's just nice to sort of see them all, all together, I suppose, working. Um, you know, they're obviously working different shifts and whatever else, but they're, they're sort of connecting with each other, and that's that's nice to see. Um, and, yeah, look, I, I just I just think that's an important part of, of what a team is, you know, to, to work side by side and, and connect and, and look forward to, you know, what's, what's going to happen at the end of, the, end of this whole bloody dilemma that we've got. Well, mate, it's always amazing to have a chat and um, good luck with the Chiswick takeaway and uh, look forward to seeing it sent into state uh, by this time next week. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I hope so, buddy. I hope so. Look, uh, I, I just want to thank you for, for um, you know, doing, do, I've been listening to this and, and I find it really insightful and, and talking you know, or listening to other other industry guys and it's, it's I take my hat off to you because – it's all about supporting each other and, and you've been a great support and I think by doing this it's, it's great to see that you're um, you're getting behind the industry and, and well our industry is your industry too I suppose so it's just a great initiative buddy uh, I, I thank you for it thank you Matt and um, thanks for the great chat and talk soon pleasure mate this is the deep in the weeds podcast I'm Anthony Huckstep Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's HOSPO community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Stay safe and be well.